Welcome to From the Peak with hosts Howie Outerbridge and Peter Sonier, where innovators, leadership gurus, and just plain old awesome people are interviewed to hear how they have gained clarity in their lives and improved their view from the peak. Hello, everyone, and welcome to From the Peak. My name is Peter Sonier, and I'm delighted to be stepping in for Dr. Howie Outerbridge in hosting this session of our podcast. I'm also delighted to be joined by my longtime professional colleague and friend, Giselle Blackman. Hello, Giselle. How are you today? I'm doing well, Peter. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much. Giselle, I'm, I'm so happy to be speaking with you today about, um, about uh, an important topic. Um, you and I have known each other for a while. You have, you've led the HR function for various organizations in a number of industries, and uh, your insights into all matters of strategic, strategic HR are always invaluable. I've seen that. I'm delighted to have you helping us today. And, and here's the topic. Uh, you know, this is on everybody's mind today as we move a little bit closer to the end of the pandemic, hopefully. We're getting just a little bit closer to it. This is such good news. Employers are starting to think about what does that mean from a return to the office point of view? We're hearing a little bit about this concept of the hybrid work arrangement. Some people will work from home, some people will work from the office. Many people might do a little bit of both. Um, tell us what you think we should expect. What does this brave new world look like? Oh, wow. You know what? Uh, I believe it is uncharted territory for us, to be quite honest, because here we were for 15 months or more, depending on when you left the office. You've been working from home and your staff took a while to adjust, but they finally adjusted to this flexibility, the lack of commute. They adjusted to, you know, being PJs all day, which is a top because, you know, all you have to worry about in Zoom and these other formats is to dress from the top up. I think it has been really a delight for some and it has been a challenge. There have been pros and cons. However, the cons are the things that are driving some employers to come back to the office. The impact on culture has been significant working from home. The impact on collaboration and our ability to connect and the team's ability to move initiatives forward in a way that is cohesive, those things have been impacted. However, mental health has been something that has been impacted as well too. Some employees have had a really tough time with this transition of you know, isolation, not feeling connected and feeling really separated from you know, the culture that was so much a part of you know, walking to the, um, the kitchen to grab a bottle of water, uh, grabbing a coffee and just stopping along the way to say hi and chit-chatting. How was your weekend? How's your dog? Hey, how was your kid's recital? That kind of stuff I think people have really missed. But here's the fear we run into, Peter. I believe we're going to have to be very, very careful of how we reintegrate this idea of going back to the office. It can't be just one day you wake up, just like we did with the pandemic where you woke up. And it's like, oh, we're out of the office. 
in less than a week, we're out. It can't be like that. I think for this kind of change, it's going to take us some time. So we need to be low and slow. It has to be a steady sort of process. Communicate, communicate, communicate. It's going to be important for employees to know what to expect. How are we going to be protecting them, their safety? Are they going to be required to vaccinate or what's going to be required? What does the space look like? Is the office space going to be the same? Are they going to be socially distancing or physically distancing? Or are they going to be expected to have some sort of rotational where some of us are in some days, some others are not, where it's a few days a week? I've heard many of the banks and in our industry, many are looking at two or three days a week where they're requiring people to be in the office. But at the heart of that, Peter, is a concern that I have. How do we manage to knit this culture back together? Because there are going to be days where Susie will come in every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Joe will come in every Tuesday and Thursday. Does Joe get a different experience because Susie's in on the days when the boss is in? What do we do there? Because we're going to have those that, that bit of a clash. So it's going to be up to us as leaders to find a way to create those overlap points. The other thing, too, is, you know, we talk about the employee value proposition. Guess what? You're going to need to create one for the reason why people need to come back to the office. Give me a reason to come back to the office. Before it used to be, give me a reason to stay. Other employers are saying hybrid. No, we're not doing it. Work from home. Do whatever you want. We want you to have the flexibility. So you're going to be competing with employers who are saying to their staff, we're offering you ultimate flexibility. So you're going to have to make some tough decisions. What's going to be important? Bums in seats or the culture protection? And if you're going to protect your culture and rebuild it, What does that need to look like, given the fact that we've learned in the 15 or so months that we've been out of the office, we have sometimes in some instances been flourishing. There have been some businesses that have adapted really well. So what's going to work for one company isn't going to work for the next. So we're really going to have to look through the lens of what are we, what's our ultimate win game? What's our end game? What are we trying to create as employers? And if we are trying to create something, how, what are the steps we need to put in place to achieve that end game? Giselle, this is, there's so much in there. This is, this, there's so much to be thinking about, isn't there? And you've touched on a number of the, of the main issues for sure. Low mm-hmm. and slow, I think is a great, a great slogan that mm-hmm. many of us will need to pay attention to. Um, I want to, I want to oh. follow up with a fairly uh, pragmatic question. One that I think many organizations are thinking about right now, how to handle the whole issue, the sensitive issue of who's vaccinated and who's not. Um, Obviously, privacy plays a part into this as well. What do you think employers should have in mind as they as they um, look at the issue of vaccinations and how that plays a part in the return to the office? I think the easiest umbrella for us to be able to kind of um, pitch for everyone to feel comfortable with this, not necessarily breaching confidentiality or privacy issues, but how do we create a safe working environment? And what does safety look like for employees? Is it psychological safety? Is it safety in terms of being able to come to the office and know that there's a cleaning protocol in place? And is it to understand what are the steps that the employer is putting in place to make sure that we are taken care of as employees? I think the vaccination question becomes challenging because at the end of the day, you don't really want to use that because some people, because of religious reasons or other reasons, may choose that that's not where they're going. 
So it's going to be a hard one. I think each organization is going to have to figure this one out. But my estimation is I'm I'm not of a big fan of asking employees if they're vaccinated. You could say what you would prefer. But I think at the end of the day, if we're going to encourage our employees to come back, you have to really look at the fact that there are going to be camps of people who are just not comfortable with being vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly right, and and so and uh, and being aware of that uh, and and dealing with that as an employer, I think, is one of the first issues many many of us will have to think about in in that environment. You talked about the fact there's potential for different people to be treated differently depending on what their new world of work looks like. Somebody who might be in the office versus somebody who's not, or somebody who's in the office regularly or every day versus somebody who's not, and the potential for some some bias in these situations. Um, can you tell us what um, employers should be aware of, what we should be thinking about as part of uh, as part of that discussion, making sure everybody's treated fairly? Well, first and foremost, I mean, there is out of sight, out of mind that it's a, unfortunately, it's one of those things we'll fall into. So as supervisors, as leaders, we have to look at what are we ultimately trying to achieve? If you're trying to build a team, you need to create opportunities where the team comes together. So it's not about, oh, Joe is in the office on the days that I'm here or Susie's in the office on the days that I'm not. Like, it has to be about what are you trying to create in your team? And if, in fact, it's important for you to make sure that you have line of sight with all of your employees and you're having that one-on-one time, book the time so that you're not losing the opportunity to interact with that employee. So the one-on-ones are going to be critical, no matter if the person is in the office or not. Two, I think there's going to need to be some commitment to how you're trying to rebuild the team. So whether it is team events or whether it is team lunches or an opportunity to get the team together to brainstorm and rebuild some of the ideas of how to do this. I don't think supervisors will be best served to try to do this in a vacuum by themselves. I think you really need to engage your staff to understand what are the needs that they have developed over time, because the employee that you had 15 months ago may not have the same needs that they have coming back to the office at this point. So engaging your staff in conversations about what are some of the possibilities, what are some of the things that they'd like to see as part of the new the shift? And if that shift were to occur, what are some of the things will keep them engaged? Because at the end of the day, um, it is a talent game out there, regardless if it's a pandemic or not. We are still competing against a lot of our competitors for keeping the talent that we have and building and growing the talent. So you don't want to put yourself in a situation where through um, maybe some choices that are not necessarily as popular without having employees participate in the process and feel as if they're being heard and seen. Because many of us, believe it or not, from working from home have felt as if we've not been seen or not been heard. I've been reading some articles and it it seems like uh, Facebook and others have been experiencing some of that with their staff as well, where some of the folks who were working from home are thinking, well, you weren't taking care of our needs anyway. So we were just doing what we needed to do. So if you wanna be an employer that really engages your staff, you've got to involve them in the process. One of the words that you use there is communicate, and you talked about how do we communicate. So um, can you tell us a little bit about that? There's so many different media for how to communicate, including, you know, email and Slack and a good old-fashioned phone call, not to mention the likes of Zoom and so on. What what do employers or any of us need to think about in, in our new 
communication channels in avoiding bias in the workplace and achieving all the other things, culture protection, the other things you mentioned as well? Oh, there's not a cookie cutter approach to this, Peter. It's not going to be one size fits all. I think, as we all know from managing teams, um, you need to adapt based on what your team is, is needing. So there's some people on your team that are going to flourish with the one-on-ones. They want to have those every single week. There's some people who are going to flourish with, you know what? A team meeting once every two weeks, I'm good, <laughs> no more. And other people would prefer to stay in communications with you by messaging you. They don't, they don't really want to be talking. They don't want to be on, on, on Zoom or anything like that. So I think as a leader, we're going to learn to need to be more adaptive. We can't just use one approach. Yes, there's going to be an approach you take that will bring the team together for collaboration issues, but I think you're going to have to adjust it based on the members of your team. Because at the end of the day, what works for Peter may not work for Jane. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Some, you know, a term that I heard um, recently that that's been out there for a little bit now, uh, it, and it talks about the idea of sort of forced collegiality, which you know uh, might might seem strange in the environment where we haven't been together. Somebody's used the term punishment. So, <laughs> oh no, regardless, right? So we need to be careful that in in these efforts, of course, that they are genuine and they're yes. not forced and they're not maybe more you know more frequent than. They should otherwise be for sure let's go from a, a funny term like that to something which is really um you know which is top of mind it should be top of mind for everybody today it's much more so today than it used to be and thank goodness for that the idea of the importance of mental health and responsibilities that organizations have employers have and indeed all of us have as individuals to do what we can to promote mental health for those around us and indeed for ourselves as well. Can you talk a little bit about that important issue, please, Giselle? Wow, thank you, Peter. I believe uh, the issue of mental health has moved from the corners and the, the hidden crevices and it's moved more to the center of the table. The good thing about it is this has been one of the upticks of the pandemic. Not only have we seen an increase in the number of people dealing with mental health issues, but we are removing it from the taboo lane to the lane where it's something that it's something we need to talk about. We're starting to normalize the conversations about mental health. And I think that's so healthy. Look at what happened at the uh, French Open just recently with uh, you know Naomi came forward and said, I can't continue because of mental health. I am not sure we would have seen that five years ago. Uh, so good on her for taking that step. And I think with more and more of these conversations, employees are realizing, you know what? I need help. I'm, it's okay for me to talk about the fact that I'm having a tough time. Because as we as leaders move forward, we're also demonstrating vulnerability by saying to our staff, you know what, it's been a tough week. Let's talk about that and create space for those conversations. I think too many of these conversations have been in the shadows. And because of the pandemic, we've been really good to bring them more into the light. And I think the more we discuss it, the more we'll discover ways we can support each other, how to be vigilant when you notice a person is off. And it's gonna fine tune our ability to just stay connected in a way that's meaningful. It's not gonna be, you know, how it used to be when you go by the elevator, hi, how are you? And you walk off and the person doesn't even answer. Now it's gonna be more intention behind it. And I think because people are just more aware that words matter, it's important if you really care about this person who's your team member, how do you take the time to pay attention? Because the more you pay attention, is the more they're gonna realize that they are seen the more they're going to realize that someone cares. And sometimes we've even adopted some of the ideas through some of our training in-house. The five-minute check-in, 
Sometimes it's not about work. It's just doing the check-in, sending a message on Teams or something saying, hey, how are you doing? How was your weekend? Things like that make such a big difference. And I think for some other people, um, one of the things that has proven to be really, really helpful, either through some sort of activity that quietens the mind through yoga or meditation, but a beginning and ending routine to the day has been really good for a lot of people. They somehow, the, the work and home have blurred, the lines are no longer as clear. But if you can have a beginning routine and an ending routine to your day, that can make the world of difference. For some people, I know one of the people on my team, she said to me, I have a yoga class with my friends. We do it on Zoom every day at 5.30, so I have to get off. I can't be in meetings past 5.15. That's her ending routine. For some people, you know what? If I don't take the dog out, his or her uh, body has a, a, a their own clock. And if I don't biological clock, it's gonna I'm going to pay for it in my foyer or in my living room. So you have to take the dog out for a walk. So these are things that have actually forced us to have a beginning and ending routine. And I think that actually has built in a little bit more of a safeguard. So we are learning some better strategies for mental health. I think will only improve because there's so much attention to it right now. And for the first time in a long time, it's no longer as taboo as it used to be. Some excellent points there. You know, my, my own version of that, uh, we don't have a pet, so my own version of that is uh, signing up for fitness classes, which I've done just in the last couple of weeks. And I'm going to share that these are these are in-person fitness classes. They're currently being done outdoors. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, to your point, I, I've got to wrap up by a certain time, uh, which I can just about always do, make it to this class. I have to tell you, I didn't realize how much I was missing that getting together with people, um, a group of people, clearly from a distance and outdoors, mm -hmm. but on, you know, on whatever the apparatus is, whether it's a stationary bike or using some weights or whatever it, it is, it's been absolutely um, revolutionary for me in so many ways. So, um, you know, maybe that speaks a little bit to the importance of how do we get back together and see people in, in, uh, in person, which is part of what we're talking about today. Giselle, what else, just as we, just as we look to um, um, take away one or two more points from this very important topic, what haven't I asked today? What other advice might you have for employers, any organizations, for individuals, as we think a little bit more about this, this phase, moving towards a more positive phase of the pandemic, we're going to be in person a little bit more, and in the office, in person in the office in some capacity, sooner than later, what other mm -hmm. advice do you have for any of us? I guess the one thing that I would take away is the pandemic taught us a lesson. It taught us that it can't be business as usual. We learned a, quite a few um, new um, ways of approaching work. We learned uh, some of our strengths and we learned some of the opportunities that we have as well. And we just can't let those lessons fall flat. We've got to build on those. And if we are to make those last 15 or 16 months, months count, allow them to be a, a, a sort of a trampoline from which we bounce to our next level, where we level up from there. And we don't just allow ourselves to go back to the way it was, because the way it was wasn't as healthy as we thought it was. I think the pandemic taught us that. And I'm just hopeful that employers will continue to use the lessons that we learned during the pandemic about how to pay attention, be intentional. The fact that we need to pay attention to our staff, and the fact that we need to look at this as a long game. It can't be do everything quick. It has to be paying attention to the people that work for us because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Uh, the work will get done regardless, but if you pay attention to people, they'll take care of your business for you. 
that's going to be a marvelous segue, by the way. Uh, I'll introduce our next podcast in just a moment. That's a marvelous segue to it. Giselle, um, it is always such a pleasure to speak with you. I want to say thank you one more time for giving us your time today, sharing your tremendous expertise and experience. Thank you very much for doing this. It's such a pleasure, Peter, as always. Well, thank you very much. Um, okay. So I'd like to say to everybody, thank you for joining us today. Um, it's been it's been nice to spend some time with you. Please join us on our next podcast when my colleague Howie is going to speak with senior HR professional Kartik Bedrada. And Kartik is going to talk to us very much along the lines of what we're speaking about today with a focus on some of the positives coming out of the pandemic. So join us then, if you would, please, for the next episode of From the Peak. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining From the Peak. Peter and Howie look forward to exploring another topic with you soon and both wish you the best on your journey to the peak. Thank you.